Creative Zombie Studios presents the Subjective Comedy Podcast with Brad Scott. Brad Scott is a mediocre comedian from Indianapolis. This is his show. If you don't think it's funny, remember, comedy is subjective. Hey, Brad Scott here with the Subjective Comedy Podcast. We hope you enjoyed last episode of our part one of our live shows from the podcast stage at PopCon Indy. And this week's episode is part two. And if you enjoyed the fun and silliness of last week, well, this week is starkly different. I actually went to the Pride Parade with my daughter, who is gay. Whom is gay? She's gay. Well, while we were there, we came across a guy yelling into a megaphone about Jesus and salvation. His name was John, and after talking to him for about 45 minutes, I realized we were on completely different ends of the belief spectrum. So naturally, I thought the best thing to do would be to have him come to the podcast stage at PopCon Indy and debate me. It was spirited, interesting, and most importantly, civil. And it was the quietest I have ever heard the food court, and it was packed with people respectfully listening. Producer BS was there to make sure it didn't go off the rails, so enjoy this week's episode. All right, thank you guys for coming out and supporting this Objective Comedy Podcast. So great to see so many fans here. If you guys came to the show yesterday it's, and you're expecting to see the same thing, this is actually going to be completely different, and I want to go ahead and put a warning out because I do not want to ruin anyone's day. This is going to be uh, some different content. It's not even going to fall under the comedy banner. So I have a daughter. Her name is uh, Harper. I'm a stand-up comedian here in Indianapolis. I work for Helium. I booked the shows of Red Curb Comedy and Avon with uh, Will from the Smiley Morning Show. My daughter's name is Harper. She is 12 years old. She is a lesbian, and so today she attended her very first Pride Parade. Thank, thank all eight of you. I appreciate the support. And while at the event, I came across somebody who I think we all see at a lot of these events. He is uh, preaching the word of God and preaching the word of God to the people at the event, and I think it gives a clear example of what is wrong with these sides not coming together, which is both sides are spending too much time yelling at each other and not enough time listening, and you can have a civil discussion being on completely opposite ends of the spectrum and walk away, shake hands, even if you don't agree. That is what I want to accomplish with this podcast, but the content is going to have a lot of religious tones of belief. If it's going to be something that upsets you, please do not let that happen. Go enjoy the rest of the convention. There's plenty to see. Go buy some stuff on the floor. So, um, the guy that I met, his name is John. He is an evangelical Christian, and let's welcome him to the stage right now. And I'm also going to ask you guys as the audience, please be respectful. Even if you don't agree with something, there's going to be no toleration of yelling out or anything like that. This is a civil discussion. Please, please remember that and respect it. John, how are you? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well, Brad. Thank That's you. That's our trick. We're not going to let him have a mic. Um, so, John, you are evangelical. What was your childhood like? What were your parents like? Were they very religious? Uh, my parents were, I would just say that they were Roman Catholic. They were nominal Roman Catholic. So I was raised as a cultural Roman Catholic. I went to 12 years of Catholic school. Uh, so I had a, a basic understanding and knowledge of God. But honestly, I had no relationship with God growing up uh, from about the age of seven. Well, it was my first awareness of God. But really, it wasn't until about the age of 23 that I feel like God was really, really working in my life and trying to draw me to Him. And what prompted that? Well, I would say that a friend of mine, he, he shared the gospel from the Bible with me. And when he did, I was really skeptical, honestly, because 
uh, I was wondering, okay, you know, if I'm going to entrust my entire life to this Bible, what's written in the Bible, you know, the word, which is the Word of God, then I better find out whether or not this book is reliable. So I spent the better part of a year trying to figure out and find out whether or not the Bible is truly what it purports to be, and that is the very words of God to man. So, and, and what, what convinced you that the, the, it was real? Well, I would say a few things, but I mean, there's, I could go through a lot, but I, I guess in a, in a short, concise response, I would say that the prophetic information within the Bible, the medical information in the Bible, scientific information in the Bible, things that man did not know at the time when the Bible was written. Uh, and I'm just going to use some small examples. Maybe like one is, is that uh, the, the practice of bloodletting, which was people would actually cut people up until about the 1800s to actually help them get better, what they thought get better from their diseases, when the Bible actually says that the life of the flesh is in the blood. So again, that's just one little thing, but there was multiple things along the way that helped me to see that, that there was many prophecies in the Bible, things that were told beforehand that came to pass. Okay, and so what, now that's one thing to, to, to have a deep, you know, uh, discovery of religion, but what, what makes you take the step to then decide, you know what, there's gonna be a pride festival going on, I'm going to get a megaphone from Jimmy the Mouth of the South Heart, I'm going to show up at this festival and I'm going to yell, you know, you're going to hell and things like that at the people attending this festival. Yes. What, what, where, did, where did that come from? How was that born? What, made, what gave you that idea? If you don't mind, I'd like to transition from your original question to that, if that's okay. Sure. Okay, so that way at least people understand. We're all about supporting transitions, aren't we? <laughs> that's, that's, Three of us are. Well, okay, I want you to be able to understand this. So when I finally came into a relationship with Jesus Christ, when I realized that the Bible makes it very clear that we're all sinners, that we've all broken His laws, and I realized that included me. I realized that His penalty for sin is hell. That's His righteous judgment. That's His prison for sinners. But I realized that God loved me so much that He sent His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins. Intellectually, I believed that. I believed that, that what the Bible had to say about that, but I realized that the Bible says something that, that a lot of people don't want to hear. It's the issue of repentance. In other words, that God not only wants us to place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone as our Savior and Lord, but He also wants us to repent. And that means to turn away from our sin and turn in faith and follow Him. You know, and I, I'm a very, I, I consider myself an atheist, but I also consider myself a lot more agnostic because I know how dumb I am and I know that I don't know the definitive answer and I respect everyone's beliefs. That was kind of my question though. I, res I respect what you believe, but why do you feel the need to force that onto the to people who don't believe that way? That's a great question. I would say that, pick it, picking back up where I'm at, when I repented and trusted it in Jesus Christ almost 29 years ago now to the day, He changed my life. He saved me. He saved me from hell. He saved me unto heaven. He forgave me of my sins. He gave me His, His Spirit inside of me. He changed me from the man that I was, which was not pretty. And he, he changed me that day. He put the love of God in my heart, and the, 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 He tells me to love Him with all my heart and to love my fellow man. Loving my fellow man means that I offer them to them the same thing that God offered to me is the free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. 
Okay, I, th I think you just now finally answered the question at yes. the end because you're, again, I, I respect everything you said about the way you feel about God feels about you. Yes. But that's still all your beliefs. What makes you, what, why do you think you need to tell, uh, to force other people to believe the same way? Because God commands me to. Okay, so you feel like you are, he, he wants you, you are, you are chosen to spread that message for him. Well, I would say that every born again Christian needs to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. He says in, Mar in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Vegans do the same thing, did you know that? <laughs> uh, so you said that you felt the, uh, the Bible was prophetic. I mean, is it or is it, is it just kind of like astrology and a lot of other things where you can be very vague and come across as right later on? No, there's very many specific... Because I don't remember the 9-11 chapter in the Bible. That's what I'm saying. I, I, like, there's, no, yeah. there's no specifics that gets down to it. And you still talk about the, the medical... Uh, talk about lifespan was like seven back then. And you're even talking about them cutting open people and bleeding them out. We evolved as a society to realize we, don't, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't use leeches to cure things. Right. So what's the difference there? Why, why, I'm, just, I'm still stuck, though, on why you're pushing it on other people. Are, are you stuck on, and just so I cl I'm clarifying, are you stuck because of what I God, believe I'm what, an atheist, but I don't show up to church every Sunday and yell at those people that they shouldn't believe in God. Because right, I respect right. their beliefs because it's not my belief, but they don't have to share my belief. It does not affect me. Does that Pride Festival, like, how does that affect your life if those people want to live their life that way and you want to live yours that way? way? I, I would say this. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So the bottom line is, is that Jesus be Christ being Lord means that he's God. It means that I'm following him. It means that he, I take my cues from him. I don't take my cues from myself. I follow him and I want to do what he says. As, as an atheist, I, I'm assuming that you would at least go by the things that you think are right by the things that you think that you should do. I or, do, but I, I also feel like I don't need other people to believe the way I do. Right, but what you're it asking... It doesn't affect you, my life. You're asking me what the driving force is, if I'm understanding you correctly. And I'm, yeah, sa yeah. And I'm, saying, I'm saying my obedience to God is the most important thing to me because Jesus has saved me, because he loved me, I want to be able to express my Why love to him by obeying him. Why do you think he chose you? Him. Well, I don't think it's so per se that... You mean to me specifically to... Why do you think... Okay, so... so to, why, pre why to preach? Is, why is there... There are a lot of people, I'm guessing, in this room who are saved by Jesus, but they don't go to events with a megaphone and yell at people. You are correct. So what, why, why do you feel like that was your path? Well, I would say that God tells us to make the most of every opportunity. We don't just come out to gay pride. I mean, I think sometimes people at gay pride think that we're targeting them. And that so what other events do you, do you go out to, to preach We've to? gone out to the race. We've gone out to cancer walks. There's well, many you other... need to be at the race. Let's be real. <laughs> Either or, though. All I'm trying to say is, is we, got, we go out to many other events. My wife and I, we, we minister here in the streets of Indianapolis. We've done that for 12 years. Where there's crowds, we go out there because we love people. And we want wherever there's people at, that's where we go. We share the you gospel know what I, but okay, You know what I think people have the biggest issue with your approach? I yeah. think it's the approach. I, I think if if you were out there and you were just preaching what you believe, I don't think people would have that much of an issue with it. I think it's when you get into telling people like you're going to hell and they're, they're, you're, that's when they, they feel you're attacking the person because how could they not? So have you ever thought about going about it in a different way, a different manner? I would say that I, I don't think about the end effect per se so much about 
what the final effect is. You asked, you asked a question earlier, if I understood correctly, about our, our approach and versus the effect, if I understood correctly, when we were talking at the parade. Yeah. Is, that, is that correct? Okay. I would say that our, our obedience to God is the primary issue. Well, yeah, because my point at the, at the parade was, I mean, honestly, from a marketing standpoint, it doesn't look like you have a good formula because how, what's the success rate? How many people do you have from these events that will reach back out to you and go, you know what? I was just going to take a piss, but you screaming at me in a megaphone has completely changed my beliefs. It feels like you're not getting anything accomplished. So if I was God, I wouldn't be happy with the job you're doing because you're not getting anyone to, to give your beliefs a chance because you're telling them how wrong they are without even giving them an opportunity to hear you out. I would say, I would say this, Brad, that that's not the case. I mean, even one of, one of, the, one of my other brothers, my other friends that were out there today, one of the ladies broke down crying and she understood her sin. She understood that she was on her way to hell. That was her, that was her comment back to my friend. I, okay, so I was around you guys for probably, a, we talked about 35 minutes, but I was yeah. around there for about an hour and yeah. the closest thing that I saw to like an interaction was the woman trying to force a beer on you. Right. So what about it? I mean, but so what, how many people have reached out to you and said that they have, like, what is, give me a, a ballpark or a percentage of when you go to do an event of people that do see your, your way. So you're, you're, talk, you're really talking about a pragmatic approach of how many people am I really ultimately getting to come to Christ? Is that what you're really saying? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because okay. that's the main objective, right? That's the goal. You want people to come to Christ. That's my heart, and that's God's heart. However, what I do realize is that the Bible makes it very clear that God says that broad is the road to destruction, wide is the gate, and many are those who enter by it. And he says, small is the gate that enters into life, narrow is the way. And he said, few are those who enter by it. Jesus made it very clear that a very small percentage of mankind will ultimately be saved. He offers free salvation to each and every person, but it's up to each and every person whether they'll repent and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone. The response, and ultimately on, on each and every other individual that, that I preach to, it's not up to me. All I need to do is clearly, faithfully proclaim the message. What, what, how, that is, how, how a person responds is up to them. But how clear is the message if no one is paying attention to it? Because honestly now, uh, and I was talking to your wife Angie about this at the parade, it's not, you, you guys aren't new anymore, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like the Westboro Baptist Church. Everybody is aware when they see someone with a megaphone at these events or with signs, they know what it is now and they ignore it. And we become numb to it because you guys have become such an, a, a part of those events. You're almost like kind of a, I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but like a sideshow attraction to there. We, we, it's the bearded lady who's been there for 10 years. We're not, you know, stopping to gaze at it anymore. Most people just walk on by. So if your message is going to get diluted and lost in that, why wouldn't you change your approach to maybe go, you know what, instead of yelling at these people and telling them how wrong they are, maybe I could just give them the reasons why I think my beliefs are correct and then let them make up their own mind. And if they don't, they don't. Well, Brad, I would, I would, I would say this. Again, the lady today is one example of a person who ended up at least moving closer to God. You have one example. I can give you no. a thousand examples of people who did not hear that message. Right, today. but all I'm trying to tell you is, is that many times when I, my wife and I go out, there are people that come up and thank us for the message that we brought to them. But were those no. people already under your beliefs? No. So you're saying that you have people who are atheists or gay coming up to you you know, People on a regular were, basis and changing their entire belief system since they were, you know, kids. I mean, my daughter knew she was gay like a year and a half ago. 
it's, that's nine. So if she was 30 and going to do that, that just seems like almost a, a, an instinctive thing that's not real. An, impulse, an impulsive thing that's not real. Ultimately, how people respond is not up to me. It's for me to faithfully and clearly proclaim the truth. Okay, there, so there, are people, there are people that do respond. And if you're saying whatever their belief system is, people who were not Christian became Christians. People who had a very different mindset, one that was anti-Christian, ended up becoming Christians, or at least they took a, a further step to be able to look, into the in, look at the information behind the Bible and to see whether or not, is, is faith in Jesus Christ, is that legitimate? Is that something, you know, is there a real heaven? Is there a real hell? Am I really going to stand before God and give an account of my life? So it sounds to me like you're saying that it's more important to say the message than to get the message across to the people that, because if you, if you think you're saving people with this message, why wouldn't you want to do it in the most effective way as, as possible? Because it almost, I play devil's advocate, I'm not accusing of anything. People could say that you're kind of more doing it for attention than you are to actually try to help people. Because if you were trying to actually help people, you would see that this format and this way has not worked. Maybe I should switch up my approach, but you've stuck to this approach, which makes you guys more of, of like a, a novelty thing there. People come to just taunt you and people come to just, you know, uh, curse at you and everything else. No, I, I, I didn't see one person that, that sincerely listened to your message except for me because I gave you the chance to speak. And when you talked to me, you were calm, you were, you know, everything else. And then you walked away 10 minutes later and you're back on the megaphone and you became a completely different person. But when I'm out there, I'm not like a Westboro Baptist per person. When I'm, when I'm open here. No, 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 you're not. There were no signs. When I'm, there was no slurs used. Yeah. But you were also yelling that you're going to hell. And people yes. take that pretty serious. I mean, you have to know that's a trigger for people, right? I understand. But if I'm wanting to convince somebody on my side, the, first, the last thing I'm going to do is starting off by hitting something that personally triggers them to be antagonistic and defensive, which is what you do when you tell people you're going to hell for the way you live your life, right out the gate. What I'm trying to say is, and if, you'll, if you listen at least to what I was saying when I was out there, you'll notice that for the most part, I did not hit on the issue of whether people were gay or not. What I hit on was the Ten Commandments. That was the primary thing that I brought up to people. And all I asked them to do was look at, look at themselves in the face of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are given as a spiritual mirror in the Bible so that we can see our condition before God, that we've all lied, we've all stolen, we've all lusted, we've all hated somebody in some respect, and God counts hatred as murder. There's, that's the problem. That's the, the solution is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He paid for our sins at the cross, and He rose again from the dead. If you had cancer, Brad, and I had the cure, and if I withheld that cure from you, and I say I love you, I don't love you. That's not an expression of love. For me to know that there's a real heaven and that there's a real hell because the Bible makes it very clear that there is, and then for me to know that there's a solution to that and then withhold that from people would be the most unloving thing that I could do. But John, you tell, you tell me you love the people that you're trying to help and you scream at them through a megaphone. There's thousands of people there, Brad. My wife, and again, we do ministry here in Indianapolis. We talk with people one-on-one -on, -one on the streets of Indianapolis. I spend hours and hours and hours we spend out on the street sharing with people. We do it on a one-on-one -on -one basis. I do it through handing out gospel tracts that have that same message on it with people. If they'll read that, I'll give it to them. If they'll talk, I'll talk with them. And then, you know, usually we'll wrap up our evenings and I'll, I'll 
do a open air preach as you saw me do at the at the gay pride. But you're a different person. So honestly, the way you've been talking during this podcast has been very civil. You have not been disrespectful. You have made concise points. Why can't you do this? out there and then reach, like, wouldn't you rather reach the two or three people that will sincerely listen to you as opposed to just screaming at the thousands who don't even care about it? Wouldn't that be more effective? Wouldn't that do more of your actual, what you believe your work is, is to actually reach those people? Because I'm telling you, it feels contradicting just because you say, I care about these people and I want to help them, but then I see you get on that megaphone and you're just screaming at them and you have to know, even if, that, even if you're not like the Westboro Baptist people, yes. that's what you get lumped in when you're yelling at a megaphone through them. Because you're actually, at, and also you're going to their turf. I mean, you're not standing out on Meridian Street and just talking. You're going to a pride parade. Parade is the gayest thing in life. Yeah. It's the gayest day. Pride Day is Indianapolis' celebration of it. And you're going there, and that's what if, I said. Even if your intentions are good, it comes across as antagonistic. Brad, let me ask you this. If I came to your house and told you what to do, would you be upset by that? Absolutely, and that's what you're doing to these people at their pride parade. I understand that's their perspective, but what I'm trying to say is the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. Everything in, in the, on the face of this planet belongs to God, and that means that everything is under His dominion. That, that includes the, everything there at the gay pride. So it, I would say that I'm not coming into their turf. I'm coming onto my Father's turf, God, and I that see. I have the right to go anywhere I want because God commands me to go everywhere in, in, on the face of the planet to be able to preach that, the gospel. But see, that's the, that's, the, that's the thing I don't get. And I think it's a big difference is that, that to me, that's where I, I don't agree with your beliefs because again, I'm an atheist. I let everyone believe what they want to believe. I don't own any turf. I let them be. Why, like, why would your beliefs trump everyone else's? Well, because God, is, God has spoken. God has already told us that He's cr the Creator. He's the one that owns the earth. He owns you and I. He owns every human being is what the Bible says. He owns everything that we have. The issue is, is whether or not we want to acknowledge that. When a person confesses… So why can't… Okay, so let's okay. say… Um, I mean, let's say there was a, a, a person who believed that, uh, you know, they just want to do cocaine everywhere. They should be able to come into your house because according to their God, your house is, you know, the snow hills. You're saying that they should be able to come that to my God house? The earth so I, I, I can go anywhere I want on the earth, and it is, it is my job to do that. That doesn't make any sense. I'm not saying that I have the right to be able to come into your home. What I am saying is that those things that are open areas, things that are in, with free speech in America, you can go in those free speech areas, and you can speak. So in those arenas, then we're going to go into those areas. But when somebody tells me that, well, this is the gay pride, and you, you don't can, have the right to be able to be there. But should you, and if you should, shouldn't, if you're, if you know, so... If you know you're going into their turf, why wouldn't you change your approach even more? Because again, you're, you keep telling me you're trying to reach people, but the things, that, the way you're going about it is antagonistic. It is combative. It's not meant to be antagonistic. It's not meant but to be doesn't combative. It come, but doesn't it always usually end up that way? I would say that people, those are the people that end up doing it, How many times have Brad? you had a drink thrown on you? I don't know. I can't count. I mean, I've not had that many. Once. I've not had that okay, many, How many really. times have you had somebody come by and say, F you? Oh, beyond number. So, why, so how do you think this approach is still working? If that's, if that's, the, if that's your most popular result. Because when I said, how many people have come to you and said they changed your life? You said, there's this one lady. When I said, how many people have told you to go bleep yourself? You said, oh, everyone. 
Brad, what I'm saying is, is that you're focusing in on the issue that we're there at the gay pride. The no, no, no any, I'm talking about any event that you're doing. It's just, but what, I'm, what, what I'm trying to say is, is that my wife and I, again, we spend hours out on the street. The primary method that we use is one-on-one -on -one conversation like we're having right now. And I do find that, honestly, to be the most effective thing. So why not do that the entire time? Why bring out a megaphone? And that's when I think you look like you're trying to just be the center of attention. No. It doesn't come across like you're giving a message. It comes right. across like... Listen, you know, look at me, listen to me, you're all horrible, my belief is right. When you talk to people one-on-one -on -one civilly, I think you would actually, at the very least, you'd be able to do what we did, which is go, we don't agree, shake hands, let's go do a podcast. Because what I do want to do is, is, is having those one-on-one -on -one conversations, as important as it is, I want to be able to get the message out to everybody else. And the Bible, Jesus over and over, he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's, it's basically a statement saying, Jesus is saying that there are a lot of people that aren't going to hear the message. Look at Jesus. Many people did not follow him. They ended up crucifying him. And if they crucified the Son of God, God who's in very human flesh, then how should I expect any more from people that they're not going to sit there and, and do the same thing to me as they did to my Lord? Because nobody's That's, crucified you, John. No, they haven't. But I've, you're still I, here. You're right. But I've been I've, people threatened to kill me. People threatened to beat me up. So, so wouldn't that make you think I need to change my approach? So I'm trying to save these people I love, and they threaten me with violence. Brad. That's not the desired outcome, right? So here's the definition yeah. of insanity. You know that, right? It's a cliche by now, yes. doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, which that's what it feels like you do when you go to these events because you're going at it the same way. I'm going in with the megaphone to yell at people and then we'll try to have some civil conversations with those of us who will give a chance. I think more people would give you a chance if you guys would have been out there, but you had a cooler of water. It was a hot day. I think if you would have had a sign that said, stay hydrated, enjoy your free water, you hand them a water and then you try to talk to them, I think people would give you a little more of an in. When you take out that megaphone and yell, you immediately are challenging them to a fight. I would say that we are immediately trying to challenge them in their belief system because what I've found over the years is that a lot of the people that you're saying that will end up coming up and talking, the vast majority of people will not end up coming up and talking. And all I'm saying is I'm not, I'm not perfect. People it, get it, thirsty, John. I'm not perfect in my approach, Brad. But what I have learned over the years is that there's a, there's a lot of groups of people that don't want to hear. Even if they do your approach, they don't want to hear. So then what I want them to least do is I want them to at least hear the message. What they do with it then I tell them is then is, is on them. That I'm not seems kind of selfish for your beliefs though because like they're not they don't feel the need to, for you to hear their message. I don't need for you to, to, to hear uh, my beliefs and what you know I don't need you to think the way I think. But they're not following God. You're, you're, you asked me you asked me. But you, ask. you come to a respect where you give people the option of that? I mean if somebody just says, I don't believe in God, why do you feel you have to force that on them? That's what people get annoyed with. People don't get annoyed with people who believe in, like, people who, who are, have little faith don't get annoyed with religious people who themselves embrace uh, religion and everything else. They get annoyed when people push that onto other people because we all only get one life. I don't believe right. anything that you believe, and when, and, and when you try to force that on me, you are affecting my life. My beliefs have never affected your life. 
I would disagree with that. I, I believe that, that I believe as a how, John, what, I how be- have I ever affected your life by not believing in God? I believe that as a culture, what a culture does individually, what we do, if we go towards God, I believe that God blesses that nation. As a nation goes away from God, I believe that God will bring curses on that so nation. So it's like a no I am no I and team thing. Like you think we all have to get on board together or the world's gonna just end. Well, I would say that God commands every man and woman to repent. God doesn't leave that as an option. He does ask people to make that choice. But in addition to that, he also makes it very clear in the Bible that he commands people to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ because without him, he knows that he has to judge them. He knows that he has to send each and every one of those individuals to hell without Christ. So basically, you just want to cut his workload down. Like, you don't want him to have to judge me because that's something like, I I don't believe that. And I just, I would not ever see your side of it when you're just screaming at me. Brad… I love every individual, every single person out here, whether they believe that or not. I know that every single person out here, because the Bible makes it very clear, they're going to live on eternally somewhere. I love you too, John. That's why I leave you alone with my beliefs. But Brad, I know that every single person out here without Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of their life, but, they're going to end up going to hell because the Bible their, says and that's, it. If they want to go to hell, that's their decision. It is. You're right. It is. And, but it, but it, it but they don't get to live their life when you try to change it for them. I can't you, change them. You can offer your advice on it, but when you feel like you have to infiltrate their space and their way of life to get your message across, you're being selfish with your beliefs because they are not doing the same to you. They are respecting your beliefs by not getting involved with yours. Brad, you're an atheist, right? Absolutely. Okay. Well, agnostic, because again, I'm really okay. dumb. Agnostic, okay. So if, could I, could I make you not be an agnostic? No. Okay. And see, that's the bottom but line. But you can ruin my day by yelling things like, you're going to hell when my 12-year-old daughter is but it, But if I'm understanding you correctly, like I'm trying to make them, I can't make anybody do anything. The only thing I can do is, is proclaim the truth of God's word and then leave that decision with if, them. But that's not how you're acting though, John, because if that was how you were acting, then you would just be out there saying your beliefs. You're trying to force other people's beliefs. I'm telling them what the Bible says, Brad. I'm telling that the, that God commands them but to repent. But it's in such an aggressive way that it's in, it's impeding. You see what I'm saying? It's not. Brad, Brad, I have never I have never assaulted somebody. I have never cussed somebody out. I have never threatened anybody. I'm always trying to be peaceful and loving and kind. I am being very bold in my preaching, and I ask God, wrap my Lord, wrap my preaching with boldness and love. But the bottom line is, as many people came up bumping us, people that were being not pretty intimidating, threateningly, oh, no, and, and I, you know, and I, and I, I get those in those arenas. I don't come there with any sort of physical threat, yet people do that to us. No, but, but you, you antagonize, you, you know that, There's you, no know intention that some appro- you know some of your approaches are going to bring that, and you don't alter that to then get your message across, which means you're almost kind of doing it on purpose. You made a very good point earlier. I do not identify with Westboro Baptist, so I'm going to say that right up front. I do not like that approach. I hate it. But you're, you're, you're just like the, the Disney Channel version of that approach with the megaphone and the yelling at them. That's, that's the same thing they do. They just curse more. Brad, if, I was, if I'm soft in my approach, if I'm just totally soft in my approach, what I find is, is that people just turn, you said that we're part of the show, and that's exactly right. What you just said, they're, we're part of the show, and then people totally right. ignore we us. We all only get one life, and we should be able to live it the way that we each want to live it and not affect other people. Like, you only get one. If I had four lives, I'd let you have one to mess up. That would be fine. Like, or not mess up, but like, you know, whatever. I only get this. 
So you have to respect the fact that I believe what I'm going to believe. And if I end up and I'm wrong and I go to hell, then that's going to be my punishment and I'll have to accept it then. But that's my choice. But I love you enough to let you know so that you'll change course direction. Brad, you asked me right up front, how did I come to my belief system? And all I'm trying to tell you is somebody intersected my life. Somebody intersected my life. They did exactly what you said. Wait, how did that, how did, what approach did they use to uh, convince you that you needed to change your beliefs? Did they, they have a megaphone and did they come to your house and yell at you? No, he was a coworker and he had a personal relationship with me. And what was his approach to talking to you about this? And he was telling me flat up what the Bible had to say and he started sharing me about sin. I, okay, hold on. I, I'm, not, and, I, okay. I, I'm not being clear, right. John. That's my fault. Okay. I don't mean like, how did he treat how did he literally start the conversation with you about this? Honestly, I can't recollect because we worked together and we just had many conversations and then he started bringing in things about the Bible. And because he realized... Subliminably, he tricked you. <laughs> because he realized I was Catholic, he knew I had some understanding of the Bible, but not very much. And so as we started to talk about the Bible, I started asking him questions. And then we, it just progressed from there. Do you see the difference there, John, though? You started asking him questions. That's what people want. They want that if they do have questions, they want to be able to come to you and ask those questions. They don't want you yelling the answers at them. Brad, but the thing is, though, is, is that my scope of influence as an individual is very limited. I only have, and everybody only has so much time in a day. I only have so much time to have so much relationship with people. The thing is, though, is, is I do that. I do that with family. I feel you would have more meaningful relationships if you didn't go about it that way. I feel like you're actually being counterproductive by being stubborn in your approach. Whereas again, it's marketing, man. It's, it's selling. If I'm, if I'm selling, if, when I used to work at Best Buy, if I was selling somebody on a TV, if I realize they don't watch sports, I'm not going to go after the Hertz rating because it does not affect them. You change your approach. You got, you try to, you try to build a bond. You're going to be able to talk to a friend way more than an enemy, right? And absolutely. you feel like when you yell at people, you're creating an instant enemy. So you have absolutely zero chance with them. I disagree with that because it's the same okay, thing that I'm doing on the I mean, street. Sure. I've had people who are, who are atheists. I've had people who are agnostic. I've had people who've come up and actually hugged us and said that they love us because of what, us being out there. So somehow or another, there's a whole group of people out here who are getting mad and angry, but then there's other people who come up to us and are thankful that we're out there. Not Christians, yeah, but people who are not Christians and are glad that we're out there warning them. The ironic thing though is there were so many other people who were running up and hugging other people and telling them how much they love them and their lifestyle at the pride parade because it was their parade. But John, I, we, we are literally out of time. Okay. This, this I do think is a good example. We have no agreement here. No progress was made, but it was civil. Nobody called names. Nobody got upset. I really appreciate all of you being respectful as well. Give John a big round of applause. It had to be a lot of courage to come up here knowing that no one was going to agree with him. He kept it civil. I'm Brad Scott. Thank you very much. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Brad.